0: first full day of spring workouts this past february down in bradenton i asked brian reynolds something 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 about 2020 honestly can't even remember what it was that i'd brought up but somewhere in the question was 2020. And to see the look on his face at the mere mention of last year, I should have had a pretty good idea right then and there what would follow. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or hockey i also offer up daily shots of steelers and penguins right where you found this pirates lost to the dodgers yesterday 6 to 3 in a game that was ended by the umpires in the 8th inning because of consistent rain they could have played it they could have finished it the umpires know what's going on the dodgers had a flight out of here the pirates actually had a flight out of here as well to milwaukee where they'll be facing the brewers tonight It's three runs. They're like, you know what? We, the umpires, also have a flight out of here. So they're just like, forget it. No chance this thing ends with any different outcome. So they bag the thing. Brian Reynolds hit a two-run home run, and Brian Reynolds is having quite the bounce-back year. So in lieu of Piling on to Mitch Keller, who I'm almost as tired of talking about as I am watching him pitch, I'm going to focus instead on maybe, maybe this summer's most uplifting individual story on this team. Reynolds is now Batting 284. the home run was his 10th. He's got 30 RBIs, 896 OPS on base plus slugging. That's second among all center fielders in the majors behind only Baltimore's Cedric Mullins. He's reached base safely now, 14 straight games, 26 out of his last 27 starts dating all the way back to May 10th. Get this one. You don't think of him as some uh, exceptional fielder or anything. He's made zero errors since last August. And he does pretty well for himself, considering, you know, especially that I I don't think there's too many people who see him as being someone you'd want to stick with at center field. The pirates themselves view him internally as a as a gold glove type if he can stay in left. This is a really really good ball player, really good ball player. This is uh, what Derek Shelton had to say about him yesterday. You know, you want to talk about taking steps. He's taking a step. He had a really good rookie year. Last year was an outlier year, but this kid can hit, and he's going to hit for a long time at the major league level. And and uh, you know, as we've talked about before, some of the balls he hits end up going out. I think he's going to hit a bunch of doubles, and that number could fluctuate. But uh, he's in a nice stretch right now, and I think you're seeing a guy that's going to be a really good hitter for a long time in the big leagues. If you go back to 2019, when Reynolds could do no wrong, didn't have a single slump all year like there wasn't even one patch where you'd say oh yeah here's here's where reality sets in a little never happened never happened so even when kevin newman ended up producing comparable numbers over the full year do you remember this and by the time september was done it was almost as if they were indistinguishable, except, except if you were watching and except if you were looking at the more advanced analytics that are available and you saw that Newman was never really hitting the ball that hard. Reynolds was. Reynolds was putting it all over the field. He was working counts deep. He was getting on base different ways, including walks. And he was hitting for power. And it just felt different than Newman's. And sure enough, it's, it's really been that. But when you get to 2020, the unmentionable year, when you get to 2020 and you see both Reynolds and Newman nosedive the way they did, it was reasonable to wonder if both of them had just gone through a mirage of a rookie year. I didn't believe it. I, I always felt Reynolds was going to bounce back. And you could reread anything I wrote, you can rewind anything I spoke, and you'll find that. I always, always, always believed Reynolds would bounce back. I just didn't know to what degree. Because that. Rookie production of his was the kind of thing that, if he had done nothing more than sustain that level over the course of his career, he'd be a star like an actual star. So it was asking too much after 2020. All you're looking for was for him to just, you know, show signs, show some kind of survival instinct. And that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Because when Reynolds did eventually get around to answering my question in Bradenton, he made it very clear that he had no use for even talking about 2020 because, and I'm quoting directly now, I know who I am. Those were the words he used he knew what kind of baseball player he was he knew that he had done nothing but hit at a high level his whole life and he knew in his mind that whatever went wrong for him in 2020 that was the anomaly so he didn't even feel like it was something that he needed to overcome What did go wrong? Well, let's just say that I've asked other people within the Pirates that question, and they've come up with an answer that was pretty simple, pretty boring, actually, but also was probably the right one, and that's this. He did hit a slump. He did start getting out, uh, particularly on off-speed pitches. He'd never faced a stretch at any point in his baseball life where they were just giving him junk after junk after junk. And he got impatient, which also was out of character for him. He wasn't waiting on his fastball. He wasn't waiting to cream the pitch that he wanted. In a six-month season, over 162 games, you can afford yourself a little bit of a luxury of some patience. You can say, listen, I mean, I had a rough April, but wait till you see me in May. And eventually, I'm going to get all these numbers up to where they've always been. Those of you who go way back, we can call this the Adam LaRoche syndrome. And you know what I'm talking about there. Reynolds didn't have that time in 2020. It was a 60-game season, and he knew that. And baseball players don't like that at all. They don't like being put against a wall statistically and being told that there's no way out. And I heard that from several players as it related to 2020 and the shortened schedule. They knew that the numbers that they were lugging from one month to the next were going to brand their season. They had nothing they could do shy of going on some insane Brian Hayes-like tear in the second month that was going to fix all that. And it frustrated them, it exasperated them, and they tried to do too much. Reynolds did that. Reynolds swung way more often than he's used to swinging. And he didn't care if it was fastball or off-speed or whatever. Well, Reynolds shows up for this year's spring training, and all he does is hit, hit, hit. Waits for his pitch, waits for the fastball, does his damage. As I'm speaking to you right now, he ranks in the top five in all of Major League Baseball in damage done to fastballs. Why? Because he's working toward them. There have been some times this year, and I've talked about it on this program, where his waiting can drive me a little nuts, especially in two-strike counts, where he doesn't understand that he's just—he's not going to get calls, and he gets rung up. And that is something that he needs to get out of his system until he develops more of a reputation with umpires, because... Like it or not, the robo-umps aren't here yet. And the human umps do operate in part off of reputation. You've got to earn those close calls. You've got to be Joey Votto in order to get ball four on a pitch that's right on the black. He's not there yet. But his patience and his belief in himself that when he does get that pitch, he's going to hurt it. Has been. It's been really, really good to see, and I hope that it doesn't get overlooked, uh, either by a the Pirates' overall record. They're now 15 games under 500, or for that matter, the fact that Adam Frazier has been an even better story, an even more uplifting story from the standpoint of of, of his own performance. It's just that the difference between Frazier and Reynolds, obviously, here is impact to the future of the team. Frazier's impact almost certainly will be what the trade return will be for him. Reynolds, he's not going anywhere. He's 26 years old. He's got three more years of his rights being held by the Pirates. Uh, He's he's part of this. He's part of this. And now, more than ever, you can say safely that he's going to be a big, important part of it. Terrific baseball play. When we come back, Just One Question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always on this program, by the good people at the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home to Steak on a Stone, home to the planet's only fully dedicated Pirates sports bar, front to back, left to right, nothing but Pirates memorabilia, a great place to watch Pirates road games, like the trip that begins tonight in Milwaukee, then continues into Washington. Come down to North Shore Tavern and watch those with fellow Bucco fans. Our question comes from Scott Nelson, who asks, are robo-umps anywhere close to getting to the major league level? Well, Scott, I'm laughing because I brought up the robo-umps in the the first segment. I can tell you that uh, they're not in the minor leagues, uh, at least not in the affiliate minor leagues. They're being used in independent leagues. as test cases but really I mean what are we talking about here you know how much testing do you have to do and at what level the parallel that I always draw is with tennis which has had in and out designated by machines for years now those have been the source of of the greatest arguments, the John McEnroe arguments, and everything else that, if you go back in your tennis history, were all the result of whether or not a ball kicked up some chalk or not. Now, is is it the same in terms of application? No, of course not, because the strike zone isn't universal. It changes from batter to batter. It's going to be one thing for O'Neill Cruz. It's going to be another thing for Kai Tom. Because I'm pretty sure O'Neill Cruz is exactly twice the size of Kai Tom. So there has to be an adjustment made from batter to batter. But all of this, all of this is so very eminently possible. And the amount of bickering and back and forth that you'd have between teams and umpires, the amount of arguing that you'd eliminate. Just look at it this way. When you have close plays now on the base paths, you don't really even see the runner who's called out or the person applying the tag or not applying the tag even bother arguing with the umpire. They just don't. They just look to their dugout and they do that thing like, call, 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 make the call. They don't even look at the ump. Then the call gets made in one direction or the other, and you're not allowed to argue, or it's an automatic ejection. So the game proceeds, the right call gets made. Now take that and multiply it by about a zillion for the impact that you'd have on balls and strikes. I've heard this a million times from pitchers over the years just give me consistency just tell me what the strike zone is and keep it there I'll work with it I'll adjust but I need to know what it is hitters same thing just give me consistency I need to know what part of the plate how much of the plate I need to be protecting how much do I have to reach out and foul off a pitch that's on the outer half or the outer corner and how much can I just kind of sit here and wait for the one that I want? You'd have a lot of happy ball players, Who would be unhappy? Well, yeah, the umpires themselves. It's been done a certain way for a long, 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 long time. For anybody who doesn't know, by the way, the robot umps uh, aren't really that uh, in, in the minors. And there is a machine. That's telling you whether it's a ball or a strike, but there is still a home plate umpire for a whole bunch of reasons. You know, foul tips, uh, plays at the plate, and everything else. And the home plate umpire gets a signal that tells him whether or not a pitch is a ball or a strike. And from there, the home plate umpire, still old school style, makes the call. It's not like you see some buzzer somewhere going off on a scoreboard. So To the common fan, like if this were implemented tomorrow, I think it would take fans years en masse to realize that it's not the umpire making the ball and strike call, so they'd be still booing the poor SOB for making a call that they don't like. It's very doable, Scott. It's also not very near. Uh, Major League Baseball has gotten its way on a lot of fronts with the umpires association that union is nowhere near as powerful as it used to be they've put in a ton of changes already to the game with the way replay is now legislated it's become routine to see these guys running off into the corner and putting the headset on things that we thought were unthinkable just a few years ago but this will be the big one this will be the big one and the next variable that they have to consider is If you're going to do this at the major league level, how can you justify not doing it at the other levels? And there's an additional expense incurred along the way and a lot of other debates and discussions. But look, once you start seeing it in the affiliate minors, it's just a matter of time. It is. It's just a matter of time. I appreciate the question, Scott. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates all week long it can't be all that much fun to follow this team in 2021 and I understand that and I respect that you do it and I'll be here for you the whole way through.